Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Diane Baker, a professor at the School of Nursing, California State University, Sacramento, about hospital-acquired pneumonia. This episode is presented as part of PSQH's Infection Prevention Week. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Diane Baker, a professor at the School of Nursing, California State University in Sacramento, to talk about hospital-acquired pneumonia. Uh, welcome, Diane. Yes, thank you for having me, Jay. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Well, thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, to start off, I just wonder if you could tell me a little bit about yourself. Yes, I've been a nurse for over 45 years. I'm a nurse practitioner, and I currently teach nursing at California State University, Sacramento, um, about half time. And the other half of my time is spent studying this topic we're talking about today, non-ventilator hospital-acquired pneumonia. So let's talk about it. What is uh, non-ventilator hospital-acquired pneumonia and why is it so dangerous? I think one of the first things to get clear about this is why is it called non-ventilator hospital-acquired pneumonia? And that is because um, back around 2008, the CDC required hospitals to pay attention to pneumonia when it occurred with patients on a ventilator, and that became known as ventilator-associated pneumonia. Um, However, hidden in our hospitals was another type of pneumonia, and that was for patients not on a ventilator. So that's how it's picked up this name, non-ventilator hospital-acquired pneumonia. It wasn't then and still isn't required by the CDC for hospitals to monitor. But it's basically a hospital-acquired condition or harm that occurs about 48 hours or more after a patient's been in the hospital. In other words, it's something the patient gets because they're in the hospital that they would not have otherwise had. Um, Have... Uh, you know, with COVID, uh, you know, requiring folks to get on a ventilator, has there have there has there been an uptick in cases uh, of uh, NVHAP since uh, sort of the COVID pandemic began? The early studies that are coming out that are looking at NVHAP um, certainly indicate that there has been an uptick related to COVID with the number of patients. Um, not on a ventilator, actually, that are suffering from uh, COVID, that have um, non-invasive ventilation, um, those types of things. There has been an increase in bacterial pneumonia for patients that are on a ventilator related to COVID as well. Uh, Well, why have hospitals been so slow to address NVHAP? Is it just because it wasn't required? I think that's the primary reason. Um, The checklist that hospitals have to report on is quite extensive, um, well over 300 items. So I don't think anybody willingly would like to add something to that list, you know, as a hospital administrator or safety. Um, And, you know, they're directed to pay attention to certain types of hospital-acquired infections. And so that's what they do. But um, more important than that, I think hospitals just aren't aware. Doctors, nurses, other providers really don't know because it's been hidden. It's sitting there, but no one's looking at it, no one's studying it. And yeah, we know from the 2018 CDC report that it is indeed the number one hospital-inquired infection. 
are you seeing uh, more attention being paid to it because of that um, that paper and because of you know things like the article that you wrote uh, for for health affairs earlier this year? I think there's been a general awareness amongst uh, healthcare providers and nurses about MVHAP. I get probably I'm going to say five to ten emails a month from hospitals requesting help. A toolkit trying to address this even though it's not required because they want to do the right thing for their patients. So yes, I think general awareness is that, but we're a long way from where we need to be. You know, there's 5,000 to 6,000 hospitals in the U.S., and I'm really talking about a drop in the bucket of a couple hundred that have started to address this. So what should hospitals do to improve their surveillance for NVHAP? Well, I think there's a couple of steps that they can take right away. Um, one is to use administrative data, so what we call the ICD-10 codes, that hospitals report in order to bill and receive money for this condition. So they can certainly look at the trending data of what they're billing for in VHAP and see, um, see what the patterns are in their hospital. And as of yet, I have not had a hospital contact me when I said, you know, take this first step. Just mm -hmm. see what's going on. Um, usually they find out that the incidence is around one in 100 patients. Usually they're pretty shocked because they had no idea this harm was hiding in their hospitals. And then they can begin to define what they want to use for their own surveillance um, in a more quantified um I'm going to say consistent way beyond administrative data. So, for example, Kaiser Permanente used um, natural language software to pull out the word pneumonia from the patient's diagnostic uh, verbiage that they put in the electronic health record. Mike Klompas and his team at Harvard, along with Barbara Jones at the VA, have developed an extraction through the electronic health record system that looks at several data points that can much more accurately tell you when a hospital has NVHAP. So these tools are there for hospitals to use. So that's the beginning step. It's just find out what's going on in your hospital, find out what the harm is that's there from this. If it's consistent with what other hospitals have, um, you're gonna be pretty astounded at the number of deaths that can be attributed to this harm each year. And, uh, you know, there have been guidelines clinical guidelines out for quite a while uh, for HAP, correct? Um, for hospital-acquired pneumonia in general, yes. Yeah. Um, how can, you know, I know that, um, you know, in your, uh, in the article that you wrote uh, back in April, you mentioned that, you know, the guidelines show that HAP may be prevented. Um, does that apply to NVHAP as well? Yes, absolutely. There are several studies that show promising results for interventions to prevent um, NVHAP. Um, those are primarily around um, maintaining the oral microbiome through daily toothbrushing and mobility, getting patients up as soon as they can be up and often. When I first started looking at this or considering the harm from NVHAP, it really started with the patient story of someone that had died in the hospital and thought, wow, what's going on? How come no one's talking about this? And that was about 12 years ago. 
Um, and the question became, where does this NVHAP come from? I mean, where, where are the germs coming from that's causing this infection in the lungs? And there wasn't that much out there, but over the past five years, there's been a, quite a few studies that have shown that the lung is not sterile and that it is in constant interplay with the germs and the microbiome in the mouth. And so it became a logical step or thought process that if we could maintain the patient's oral microbiome, keep those germs out of the mouth that multiply so quickly and are indeed micro-aspirated into the patient's lung, that we could have some impact in preventing pneumonia. And that's what these studies have shown. When we brush teeth, it sounds like such a simple intervention, but believe me, it's really hard to get to do. Um, and we keep those germs tapped down, then they can't be aspirated into the lung and the source of the infection goes away. So oral health, maintaining that, um, as well as good mobility programs up and early um, are the key. They're both fundamental nursing care procedures and both are often admitted in a nurse's daily workflow routine. Why, why is that, that it's, that it's not happening? Is it just something that gets overlooked because there's so much else that seems to be more important? Yeah, I think you, you said it uh, exactly right, Jay. Nurses have a lot to do every day. And with a lack of awareness, um, I think the vast majority of doctors and nurses in the United States don't know that pneumonia comes from germs in the mouth that are microaspirated into the lung. It, the awareness just isn't there because the science is pretty new that's demonstrated that. So you have a lack of awareness, you have a lack of motivation, you have a lack of monitoring, right? If no one's tracking it, it's gonna go way down on your priority list mm -hmm. for patient care for the day. Um, so it's hard, hard to get it done and it's hard to put that routine into place. So what needs to be done to I guess, get the word out and, and kind of get, um, you know, hospitals to kind of pay attention to this and start, you know, taking these seemingly simple steps to prevent uh, NVHAP. I think one of the most important things is to motivate Congress and CMS to pay attention to this issue. Um, right now, NVHAP is not on their safety radar. And it is the number one hospital-acquired infection. It's associated with 15 to 30% of um, mortality, meaning you know one in four patients die when they get this hospital-acquired harm. The cost is extraordinary um, to the Medicare and Medicaid system. And um, they have not yet really taken a look at it to get it on their patient safety requirements for hospitals. So I think that's a big, big first step. Um, hospitals are under a lot of duress, as we know, they're under more duress because of COVID. And so without a, a uh, motivator such as CMS um, to tell hospitals they need to pay attention, it's going to be really difficult for them to put this on their patient safety radar for very understandable reasons. Um, it, so that, I think, Congress and CMS. And then the second is really individual us, the nurses, the doctors, uh, the patient safety organizations. We can all begin to advocate and speak up for ourselves. Um, 
when you go to the hospital, you can ask, what's your pneumonia prevention program? What are you going to do to help me maintain my oral care? How often are you going to get me up? Um, everybody I know that goes in the hospital gets a toothbrush kit from me. Um, so there's individual steps that we as caring providers can take. And then I think we really need to look at those public policy issues and motivate Congress to get on this. Uh, I noticed that the Joint Commission did issue a, a quick safety advisory back in September of 2021 about NVHAP. Was that, was that helpful in kind of spreading the word? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that that patient safety alert is what motivated a lot of emails to come my way with mm -hmm. hospitals wanting to do the right thing. Um, speech and language therapists picked this up, respiratory therapists in the hospital, nurses, doctors, infectious disease doctors. Um, I have a couple of infectious disease doctors I'm working with right now in hospital systems to address NVHAP, and they're looking at their data. It's, actually um, it was a great spur of interest and it, it definitely was a game changer. It just needs to be followed up now by um, the Joint Commission asking about NVHAP data when they do their regulatory accreditation visits. That'd be another good, great step. Um, yeah, because I mean, like you, you know, this is an advisory, so it doesn't, you know, it's not a standard, so it's not like it's saying you have to do this. It's sort of a recommendation, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they could they could follow it up with a standard that would actually, you know, require hospital, you know, accredited hospitals to actually do this, and that would carry a lot more weight. Yes, it absolutely would. And let me give you an example about how that's being put into action right now on the behalf of our veterans here in the U.S. The Veterans Health System um, was led by Dr. Shannon Monroe, to take on MVHAP and oral care uh, through a program called HAPEN, Hospital um, Acquired Pneumonia Prevention Through Nursing, the HAPEN program at the VA. And the VA is actually leading the nation in this way in that they have set national oral care standards, oral care to be done every day for our veterans as a metric that, that nurses are measured by nationally with um, the VA and they are also tracking their NVHAP cases to look at um, high levels of prevention of this to stop this toll that it was taking on our veterans in that system. So other hospitals could definitely take a page from the VA about this. And I think the Joint Commission and Congress could um, take that same blueprint and plan and require it to be implemented in all of our hospitals. Um. And another aspect of it is it's very costly. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how expensive um, NVHAP can be for hospitals. Oh, it's extraordinary. Um, we don't have, I would say, the most accurate up-to-date numbers on this. Um, but when we have looked at it, it's at least $40,000 additional for each case. That translates into around $3 billion a year to the system for hospital-acquired pneumonia. Wow. Nothing else comes close, at all close, to the cost of the harm from hospital-acquired pneumonia. Um, the VA, in their analysis, estimated that it's an additional $120,000 about per veteran who gets NVHAP if you include their 12 months of their required post-care. 
from the residual of this. So the the economic burden to the system for not addressing this is huge. And, you know, I can't help but think, how else could we be spending that money if we just brush people's teeth, got them up out of bed? Where could we take that money and do more prevention elsewhere? Um, I was wondering, has the attention that's been paid to COVID-19, obviously for good reason, uh, taken away from efforts to combat other infection control concerns like NVHAP? Oh, yes, and very understandably so. I, I think we're all aware of the of just the undue burden and um, amazing burden that has been put on the healthcare system, on the individual providers, the doctors, nurses, and all the others with COVID. Um, it's just an extraordinary time. So it it makes perfect sense that other types of fundamental care and issues that hospitals struggle to address would fall by the wayside. You have to prioritize. However, we are, well, I was, I was gonna mention that the CDC actually published a study that showed that the hospital acquired infections that they do require to be monitored. So this doesn't even include NBHAP, but the ones that they do require to be monitored did go up during COVID. And so much of that prevention of infection is fundamental nursing care. You know, it's hand washing, it's bathing, it's turning, um, all the things that nurses do on a daily basis that they just couldn't get to. Um, and even caring for central lines, urinary tract lines, that fundamental care to prevent infection um, went by the wayside. One thing that's of concern to me is that the CDC and the CMS system um, did give hospitals uh, kind of a break or a waiver, if you will. I'm not sure the exact uh, terminology to um, with their hospital-acquired infection monitoring programs during COVID, and it makes perfect sense. What's of concern to me is they seem to be indicating they want to continue that and um, no longer require that hospital-acquired infections in the past, like they have in the past, be reportable. And I'm quite concerned about how hospitals might react to that. Um, COVID is here, it's here to stay. We are going to have to put all of our um, best minds and efforts together to figure out how to keep patients safe from all these other types of hospital acquired right. harm with the impact of COVID also going on. I don't think we should necessarily give hospitals a break from it, but I think we should fund and energize the efforts to find solutions to continue to keep patients safe. Is part of the problem also uh, staffing and just, you know, there's, you know, not enough people to go around to, you know, to do all these things? I think the issues around nursing staffing have been very well documented mm -hmm. um, multiple times. They're under so much duress. Um, I am um, nursing professor. I'm out in a lot of different hospital systems and and talk with nurses in a lot of different venues. I also do work nationally. Um, I hear it over and over again. Um, there are some solutions to that, though. There are some key knee, uh, nurse leaders that are looking at different staffing patterns, looking at more team-based nursing, looking at how to really monitor and strengthen the allied health force, the patient care mm -hmm. technicians and nurses aides to support nurses. So solutions are on the way. Um, and there are some very innovative ones um, coming forth. 
And in the meantime, we need to ramp up our basic RN nursing education and get more programs in place and support faculty to teach those programs. And sort of looking ahead, uh, you know, to the next few years, are you hopeful that, um, you know, we can kind of turn the, you know, turn things around in terms of NVHAP, in terms of getting it under control? Uh, do you feel like, you know, these efforts that have been made uh, will kind of galvanize and, and kind of, uh, you know, make the difference, you know, at least, at least maybe not today, but down the road? Yes, I am. I'm eternally hopeful about this, Jay. I, <laughs> I've been working on this now for for 12 years, and boy, the first five years, we, we could hardly get anybody to even open the door. I would say that door is wide open now. Um, there's been a national coalition that has been formed called NOHAP that has uh, stellar researchers, um, industry, combining everybody together. Um, part of that NOHAP group is what motivated the Joint Commission Patient Safety Alert. Um, we set forth a research agenda. The, um, you know, Health Affairs picked up the blog, which you asked me about. So everything is moving. I think the flywheel is going to take off here um, very, very soon. And I remain optimistic. Um, until that time, as I said, we can all make sure that we hold our local hospitals accountable to make sure we get uh, patients' teeth brushed. Well, Diane, thanks for joining me today. This has been great. And let's hope that, uh, you know, that more attention is paid to, the, to, this, uh, to this problem and uh, that we can get things turned around. Yeah, thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate your questions and the conversation. All right. That wraps up episode 64 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the show at psqh.com. You can also listen to and on my episodes there, and you can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.